this morning. You're friendly. Feeling encouraged. Lord Jesus, you are our faithful king, and we love you. We're here to meet with you, and I appreciate getting to, to be utilized by you, among others, but ultimately, Lord Jesus, we are here to encounter you. We thank you for your spirit. Holy Spirit, we invite you to, to speak to us this morning, to open our hearts and reveal more of yourself to us. We're your church. We want to yield ourselves to you for your glory and for the good of our city. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, guys, if you brought a Bible, now is the time to grab it. Um, if you'd like to use one of the Bibles that are in the, the aisle there, you can grab one of those out of the box there. Those are always available for you. There you go. Grab one of those. We've been studying through the book of 1 Corinthians. It's, it's actually more of a letter than a book. It's one of two letters that was written, that we have, that was written by one of the earliest church leaders in the Christian church, first century guy by the name of the Apostle Paul, used to be known as Saul, met Jesus, everything changed, and he became, became Paul. And God used him to do incredible things um, in the church as the gospel spread, as the good news about Jesus, what he's done, and his, his resurrection, his, his victory over death. It went viral in the ancient world. One of the churches to, to be formed in the wake of that good news was the church in Corinth. And we have a couple of letters um, that God has given us as a means of communicating his heart to us as that same church, it's one church, 2,000 years later, it's still going. So we're studying this letter entitled 1 Corinthians. We're going to go there now. We're actually all the way up to chapter 12. So if you're just coming into this now, um, you'll be fine. Um. Okay, we're going to break this into a few parts. Um, we're actually going to go through the entire chapter 12. So that's 30 for 31 verses, which is quite a few, actually. Normally churches don't do like an entire chapter. We're going to go for it. You guys with me? Yeah. So we're going to break it into some bite-sized pieces. This is part 19, and this is the part of the letter where Paul begins to talk about spiritual gifts. Now, before we just jump right into it, I, I really feel compelled um, just to share something personal. In my experience, the topic of spiritual gifts um, can be, often is at times, I'm not sure why, but is a rather contentious subject among Christians. Um, you say spiritual gifts. Um, it's right up there with talking about like uh, evangelism in the church. Now some of you might think evangelism is awesome. Some people don't like to talk about it. It invokes all sorts of feelings of guilt and, and weirdness. And you say spiritual gifts. People are like, oh, what are you going to say? What are you going to do? I've been warned of this. Yep. But we're not going to skip chapter 12. So we're just going to do it. Uh, but my story, so I grew up in a church, a good church as far as I can remember, 
um, sort of a mainline denomination, which one doesn't really matter. Um, but as far as I can remember, it was, it was a decent church, um, sort of a normal, sort of went to Sunday school kind of childhood. And the things that probably stand out to me more than anything else about this church that I went to, number one were the donuts um, during the break in between Sunday school and boring grown-up church. And secondly, I, I can so vividly remember doodling on like the giving envelopes that were tucked into like the little holders on the back of the wooden pews. I'm getting a lot of nods right now. Okay, you guys remember this? It was a phenomenon a generation ago. And I remember thoroughly enjoying that. And I remember, remember being so fascinated with the little, little rubber rings that were sort of attached to those. And I remember how stoked I was to figure out that that was where you put the empty communion cups but I didn't know that for the longest time, so I'd like take them out and roll them under the pews. <laughs> and those are the things that stood out to me, probably more than anything else. I don't ever remember once talking about the Holy Spirit, much less spiritual gifts. It was probably me, probably not them, probably me. Um, maybe, maybe a little them, um, because oftentimes, because it is, or at least can be, a, a relatively contentious subject matter, um, we just tend to want to kind of steer around those, not ruffle any feathers. All of that to say, when I was 24 years old, Jesus rescued me in a very real way. So I grew up in the church. By the time I was like 14, 15, I'm like, Okay, done, over it, on to new and exciting things. And then Jesus quite unexpectedly came bombarding into my life. I heard the gospel. I felt terribly convicted of my sin. I was scared to death in thinking about where I would end up eternally. And so I, I surrendered. I, I gave my life to Jesus. Everything changed. Somehow, I, I thought to start reading the Bible... And it didn't take very long before I started running into the Holy Spirit. Getting to Acts, all of a sudden, it's like, whoa, Acts, not just Acts of the, the church and the apostles, but like the Acts of the living Jesus, Acts of the Holy Spirit working in and through people's lives. And I thought to myself, well, I grew up in church. How did I miss this? How, why didn't no one ever tell me about the Holy Spirit? Because this looks just... This, this is spectacular. If this is real, and I'm fairly convinced it is, like, I want in. I want to experience this. And so I'm sharing all of this just to say, I don't have a particular sort of doctrinal agenda. I'm not, this is, okay, great, we're in chapter 12, so I'm going to do whatever I can to convince everyone, like, this is it. And I want, and I want us to humbly submit ourselves to God's word and allow the Holy Spirit to be our teacher. And I want us to do that as, as humbly and open-mindedly as we can. Because when it comes to this kind of stuff, oftentimes, like our default is just, we, we just bring our baggage to it and it's like, no, I already know what I believe about this and I either hate it or I love it or these sorts of things. And my appeal to you guys, let's let God speak. Let's let God speak. And let's be ready to obey. You guys with me? 
Okay, enough of me. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Here we go. Now concerning spiritual gifts, important cue, Paul is responding to a specific question that the believers in Corinth has asked him via a letter to him. So he's okay, he's responding. Now concerning the thing that you've asked me about, spiritual gifts. Brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, that is non-believers, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand. It's the second time he said that in this letter. I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says, Jesus is accursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except in the Holy Spirit. First, and perhaps most important point of this chapter, the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit in particular are all about pointing people to Jesus. Okay. The Holy Spirit is God, the third person of the Trinity, as our Bible teaches us. But the Holy Spirit has this very unique predisposition towards pointing us to Jesus. The Holy Spirit reveals the person of Jesus. It's all the Holy Spirit really wants to talk about. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Christ. Or the Apostle Paul, uh, Peter says elsewhere, the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Jesus. The Holy Spirit is the great, great Christ revealer. Um, elsewhere, let me read a couple of um, other passages to you. John chapter 16, verses 13 to 14. Jesus himself said, when the spirit of truth comes, Jesus proclaimed to be the truth, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Also, 1 John chapter 4, verses 2 to 3. By this you know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of Antichrist, which you heard was coming and is now already in the world. The spirit that is from God is always revealing Jesus. Every time the Holy Spirit moves or begins to speak, the Spirit wants to orient us around Jesus because it's in Jesus that we have salvation and it's in Jesus that we know God. As humans, it's our connection point with the person of God. When we look at Jesus, we've seen the Father. Um, perhaps an illustration. Now, I stole this one from Josh White and I don't remember who he uh, said that he stole it from, but I've got I've to do this. So think of it like this. Here's Jesus, and this is the Holy Spirit. Okay, that's it. The Holy Spirit wants to point us back to Jesus. The gifts of the Spirit are to point the body of Jesus back to Jesus. I love what Charles Spurgeon says. He said, I look to Christ, I look to Christ and the dove flew in. I looked to the dove 
and he disappeared. The dove, or the Holy Spirit, directs our attention always back to Jesus. Why is this important? Why is this important in the context of spiritual gifts? Okay, this is why. Paul begins by saying, concerning spiritual gifts, remember you were once pagans led astray to worship mute idols. When we begin to make spiritual gifts, spiritual experiences, gifts of the Holy Spirit about anything other than Jesus, we will begin to worship those gifts themselves. How many of you have ever, you might be guilty of this yourself, I've done this, I will admit it, I will confess, find yourself getting just as excited or eager to experience some sort of spiritual gift or spiritual high as much or even more than the gift giver himself. That is the worst kind of idolatry there is because it feels so spiritual. It's like we got Bible verses for it and we can get so excited about these, these experiences that we can have that we should desire to have. We'll talk about that. But they're always only ever as valuable in so much as they direct us back to our Savior himself. The Spirit reveals Christ. That's first and foremost. We don't worship the gifts. We worship the gift giver. Let's go to the next chunk. Verse 4. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, varieties, varieties, varieties. But it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. Verse 7. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, and to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to, the, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, discernment, to another various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he, that is, the Holy Spirit, wills. Varieties of activities, varieties of services, variety of gifts, but all empowered by one and the same Spirit. Now let me say um, a quick word on the gifts themselves. Some have argued that this is sort of Paul's exhaustive list of spiritual gifts. Mm, I would argue otherwise. Personally, I, I don't think that's quite right. Um, and in fact, I think we can unfortunately become relatively obsessed over this list of gifts, thinking like, ooh, which one's mine? It's like when you were a kid, like if you could have one superpower, what would it be? And you would say, invisibility, invisibility classic. And then someone else would say, Elasticity. Uh. <laughs> okay, okay, incredible, got you. 
And we can kind of begin to think like that. And think, oh, you know, I wish, you know, I want, I want miracles. Like, uh, who wants interpretation of tongues? Eh, not really. Like, you know, we can begin, like, to get, like, gift envy and, 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 and miss the point. Okay, this is not, in fact, there's a few other, at least a couple of other passages in the New Testament that talk about some other gifts. One of them is Paul, again. Um, he's writing in his letter to the Romans, the church in Rome. Um, and he actually uses a lot of the same language. You would think that he might just give the same list, but he gives a bit of a variance. He says in this Romans chapter 12 also, he talks about prophecy, uh, service, teaching, uh, exhorting or encouraging, giving, leading, and acts of mercy. So we see some overlap, but he, he sort of adds to them, which is very helpful, I think, to notice because that tells us that, look, he's not, so concerned with this like exact and exhaustive list he's just saying that the spirit gives gifts a whole variety of gifts but it's all the one and the same spirit who's giving them very important i like uh peter one of the other apostles he's written a couple of letters that we also have in the new testament and god says something very interesting um, through peter first peter chapter 4 verses 10 and 11 he says, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good steward of God's varied grace. He says, whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. He lists two, speaking and serving. I like that list. If you feel compelled to, like, run your mouth, maybe God has given you a gift to speak. Wonderful. Great. That's super valuable. Um, if not, you've probably been gifted to serve. You should use that gift. It's a really great gift. God uses it to build up the body. So we don't need to actually be too concerned with this very specific list of gifts. In fact, I think Peter's very helpful. Um, let's just stick with the two. Either you're talking or you're serving. Either you're telling people about Jesus or you're being the hands and feet of Jesus. And that's probably all we really need to be concerned about. How do you feel about that? Okay, let's keep going. I must add as well, um, and this isn't necessarily explicitly here, but I think it's implied. Your gifts are, gifts are given to you in, in partic at particular times for particular reasons. Um, now, I know some people have been born, it's like you're born with a particular ability. I was not like born with this amazing ability to preach God's word, or to even just like speak in front of people. I can remember the first time I got up in front of like a group of people, I thought I was gonna puke. Like it was the worst experience ever. Nothing in me thought, I've discovered my calling. This is how I've been gifted by my creator. And I was like, what am I doing? How did I get myself into this situation? But I believe that God will give us particular gifts, and then depending upon the situation, the person that you're needing to serve, you might discover you have 
another gift, or perhaps a, a variation of a gift. Um, I remember when I first became a Christian, 24, as I mentioned, uh, I wanted to be used by God. I wanted to get involved. I wanted to feel like I was significant. So I kind of put myself out there. You know what my very first like, real like, serving gig was in the church? I was a bass player. I still dabble. So I'm like, I'm going to be in the worship team. And I'll be awesome because I can be up in front of people, but I won't have to say anything. <laughs> you know what I ended up doing? There was a, the keyboard player in our band, really, really talented 12-year-old girl. My great duty in the church, don't laugh at me, my great task was I got to be the 12-year-old girl keyboard's roadie. I drug that keyboard all over the place. I was her roadie. And I remember thinking to myself, do you people have any idea how gifted I am? I can play circles around you guys. And God blessed me with the honor of being this 12-year-old girl's personal roadie. She didn't have a car. She couldn't drive, so I was it. Um, and somehow, somehow, by the grace of God, I did it. I just did it. And I served. And I served and I served. And eventually I got to play bass. And then eventually I got to do some other stuff. And God gave me other gifts and entrusted me with other responsibilities to serve others. I just wanted to say that in a way of encouragement because we all want to be involved. We all want to be utilized by God. It's, it's a natural human desire uh, to feel significant. Be faithful. Use the gift that God has given you to serve the person right in front of you and trust him. Trust him. Okay, keep going. Now Paul begins to use this metaphor about the church as a, as a body, like a human body. This is what he says. But just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we are all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, come one, come all, and all were made to drink of one spirit. But the body does not consist of one member, but of many and he begins to elaborate on the different body parts, the eyes, the ears, the, the mouth, the foot, the hands. In verse 20 he says, As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, less glamorous, per se, uh, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty which are more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. One member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. The gifts of the Spirit are given for the building up the body of Jesus. They reveal the person of Jesus. They build up the body of Jesus. If you're using your gifts, whatever the gift might be, you might have a, um, an especially spiritual type of gift. Perhaps one of the, the gifts that he listed. Because that is what, what the Corinthians were talking about. Let's just be, be fair. 
But whatever your gift is, if you're using it for any other reason than to build up the body, you're not acting like a body part, you're being a body parasite. You're simply using your gift or the use of your gift to feel like you've got something, to sort of feel, feel that insecurity that you constantly deal with. And if you're serving, it's simply a means to gain some sort of like assurance or, or, or satisfaction because, haha, I've, I've done something great. You're actually doing damage to the body. You're sucking the life out of the body of Jesus. This is very challenging because this goes right to the ego. It goes right to the ego. And oftentimes only God can actually discern what's going on in our hearts. I mean, you might look at me like, so what's your deal, preacher? You must feel quite important, man of God. That's a scary thought. That is a scary thought. I hope to God I'm not simply using you people to somehow feel like I'm somehow more significant than anyone else in the room. In fact, Paul would argue the exact opposite. It's the less glamorous, the quote-unquote less honorable gifts that are in fact the most honorable it's those who are serving in the unseen ways, ways that only God himself knows about. That is like Christ. That is honorable. I'm not to say I'm like in sin for standing up here, but I hope you guys get the point. So don't be a parasite. Now concerning, concerning the more unusual gifts... Who wants to talk about tongues? Yeah? So we take a vote. <laughs> Tell you what, we're going to come back to the more unusual gifts, okay? Chapter 12 is only our introduction. Yeah, there's a whole lot that, that Paul has to say that the, the Bible teaches us about these gifts, and we're going to get into some real specifics. For now, I want to, I, I don't, I don't know if I've ever done this. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm going to make a book recommendation. I rarely, rarely do this. Uh, R.T. Kindle wrote a book a few years ago called Holy Fire. If you're not familiar with R.T. Kindle, he was Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones. Um, he succeeded Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones um, as the preacher of the Westminster Chapel in London. So I first heard um, R.T. Kindle uh, speak at the, the seminary that I studied at um, while I was over in the U.K., and he wrote this book called Holy Fire, which I think is an incredibly balanced and biblical look at the Holy Spirit and spiritual gifts within the church uh, today. I highly recommend it. And again, it's, I like it because it's balanced. He does a very thoughtful job at looking at the various views of spiritual gifts. He considers the argument of the cessationist quite fairly. He looks at it biblically, and he looks at some of the abuses of spiritual gifts, sort of that hyper-charismatic movement that we often see um, where, where people are, are, um, are abused and manipulated because spiritual gifts are, have become idols. And so he looks at some of the, the different extremes of the Holy Spirit in the church and the spiritual gifts. I would highly recommend reading Holy Fire. It's a, it's a very accessible and easy read. Um, yeah, we're going to come back to that in the next couple of chapters. 
If you have a gift, just know this, your gift is indispensable. You are needed in the body of Jesus. Um, I love that our little church is becoming less little. It's great. It's wonderful. Um, obviously, every church wants to, wants to reach out to more people, expand their community, include others, reach people who don't know Jesus. So this is great. Um, the difficult thing about it is that it's very easy in a crowd about this size to just kind of blend in, you know, rock up, fill a seat, take off, um, never really get involved. Um, now, I reckon some of you, you're out of town, you're, you know, you're visiting, that's great, that's wonderful. Some of you are just checking things out. You don't want to, like, commit to a team if, if you're not really sure this is where you belong. That's great. Take your time. Um, but if you are here and you keep coming back, I would say stop hoarding your gift. Get involved. Serve. Find a human being and figure out a way to serve them so that the body would be built up. Some of us kind of have this idea, like, well, I don't know. What, what am I supposed to do, really? It seems like everything's covered. What a lie. <laughs> what a lie. Trust me. That is a lie. Your gift is needed here. And really, truly, it's a matter of obedience. Because Jesus himself said, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. Jesus gave everything so that we could sit here and know that because of his death on the cross, I'm forgiven, I've been rescued, and I've been adopted into the family of God Family, family, we serve each other. We serve each other. Every one of you in this room has a gift. It's indispensable, and you need to obey Jesus and figure out a way to serve a human being in front of you. Next slide. The Holy Spirit manifests the presence of Jesus. The Holy Spirit points to the person of Jesus, the gifts of the Spirit build up the body of Jesus, and the Holy Spirit manifests the presence of Jesus. All the way back in the beginning of this chapter, verses six and seven, um, Paul says that we, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Manifestation, the action or fact of showing an abstract idea to be real. This is a much more implicit point, implicit point, but so, so important, guys. The Holy Spirit is given to manifest the reality of a living God. Jesus is alive, and he is present. He is with us. The Spirit of Christ gathers with us as we meet around him, as we gather in the name of Jesus the presence of the living God is manifest when we come together by his spirit. This is so crucial. Not because we're desperate for just another spiritual feeling or some sort of weird experience because we're all just terribly bored. Um, but because Jesus needs to be known as real. 
If all we ever did was talk about the Holy Spirit and think about gifts of the Spirit, etc., and not actually experience the manifestation of Jesus' presence as his people gather, what are we doing here? What are we doing here? If Jesus didn't actually come back from the dead and didn't actually keep his promise to never ever leave us and to always be with us when two or more gather in his name, what are we actually doing here? The Holy Spirit manifests the presence of Jesus when we gather in a place like this or wherever we gather in his name. The Bible says that, 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 that we're to manifest the sweet aroma of the knowledge of God in every place we go. When we go someplace, we bring the presence of the living Christ with us because his spirit dwells inside of us. This is what Jesus said. John chapter 14, he said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. That's very important. Okay, it says in Acts chapter 5 that the Holy Spirit is given to those who obey him. Okay? If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper or advocate or counselor. It's the Holy Spirit to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Jesus said, I'll never leave you. I'm sending another, and that is the spirit of truth or the spirit of Christ, to be with you and in you always. Guys, this is one of the great promises of the gospel, that we're not just given like a list of, of propositional truth to ascribe to, like we're like signing up for a magazine subscription, and then hold on, believe hard, and maybe someday you'll get there. No, we're given the gift of God himself, the Holy Spirit, to live within us. We get to actually experience the reality of God. Jesus, present with his people. This is an extraordinary promise. This is what I had hoped would be the case when I was 24 years old. And I remember listening to this guy, um, Big Tommy. He's dead now. Last time I saw him was, was in London. He passed away. But he preached the gospel. And I remember it like it was yesterday. I'm 42 now. And I remember sitting there in my chair just squirming. Feeling like, oh my goodness, where am I? And the Holy Spirit began to just do something in me. I was convicted of my sin. I realized I wasn't living for God. Occasionally, I would attempt to use God through my prayers. I'd get him to do something for me. But I, I, was, I was God. I was calling the shots. And I realized that I was going nowhere. I, I was going somewhere, for sure. Um, nowhere good. And I remember listening to a big Tommy preach the gospel and thinking to myself, I want this. I need this. I, I, have, to, I have to respond now. And I thought, but I don't want to simply get back to my religious roots. I thank God for growing up in Sunday school. I think it was, I think it was good. 
But I had hoped that God was much more real than that. Guys, I want that for you. I want that for us. When we gather like this together, we're not going to try to manufacture some sort of like spiritual sensation. No one needs that. But I do want us to expect that Jesus will come and meet with us and have his way. Move, heal, speak. Set us free. Convict us of our sin. That's, that's really healthy. That's really healthy to, to, to want to be free of the things that are killing me. That's good. And to lead us to repentance so that we can turn away from sin and start trusting Jesus and actually experience his life. As I'm belaboring this, but it's really important that we get this. Some of you, because I've talked to many of you, I don't know if you've ever experienced what, what, what I'm talking about, this manifestation of Jesus. And you've been like clinging to just religion but because you've yet to fully surrender your life to God, you've yet to actually experience him. Perhaps this morning that can change. Perhaps this morning you can decide like I did some time ago to forget about whatever religion might have to offer, whatever um, what spirituality might have to offer, and surrender yourself to Jesus. He died for your sins. He conquered death, which is where sin leads all of us, to give us a new life, a real life, not just something to believe, not just a good feeling life. Him. Can we stand together? Um, to spend a whole, what, hour together, hour and a half, talking about the Holy Spirit and gifts of the Spirit, and then not just posing the question, does anyone in here need healing? Does anyone in here actually need, need what we've been talking about? And it could be any kind of healing. It could, be, it could be emotional. It could be physical. I've lost track of the number of times I've asked someone to pray for my deformed foot. Broke my foot when I was like a little kid and it's been deformed and I'm like super insecure about it and I talk about it in public because it's like therapeutic for me. But I've asked for prayer so many times and I don't wanna stop asking. I just don't because Jesus said keep asking. So if you need healing for something this morning, you do me a favor, all eyes open, all heads up, would you just put your hand up like this if you need healing? Okay, now just quickly look around and if there's someone standing near you with their hand up, would you please very gently, respectfully put your hand on their shoulder and either out loud or in your heart, begin to pray and invite the Holy Spirit to heal this beautiful person that you're now touching.
Father, I pray for those who hearts are plagued with loneliness. Lord, I pray for those in this room and even elsewhere, those who, who feel like they don't belong. And they try and they try and they try and they just feel outside. Lord, I pray that you would heal lonely hearts. Lord, I pray for your church, Grace City, Door of Hope, everywhere where you have your people. Lord, I pray that you would help us, help us to be your children who say, come in. Not like the prodigal, the older son. He said, what's the deal, dad? Why does he get to come in? Lord, help us to have hearts that are so uh, in line with yours that we would be thankful. God, your home, your home. Help us to love each other well. Help us to be a community that doesn't have just a, a moment of healing, a moment of spirituality, but that we would live our lives in a way that we're, we keep turning back to you. We keep turning back to you. By your spirit, you keep forming more and more of Christ in us that, so that we truly do start to resemble your body. Or that even in our suffering, even in our hardships and our brokenness, Lord, you would, you would cause light to shine out of dark places. Thank you for your faithfulness, Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus, we do love you. We're so grateful for you. Thank you for all that you've done, are doing. We're excited for your return. Until then, Lord, help us to obey you. Help us to trust you. Help us to receive more of your love as you pour it into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom you've given to us. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Guys, have a great Sunday. I love you. See you next week.